0: recording.
1: Hello, you are listening to Thoughtless Casual Gaming with Brett and some random guy that seems to have invaded my house. In person? Oh my god.
0: What is this sorcery?
1: It's it's crazy. Like it feels like a whole new world. We are a Geelong based gaming podcast where we play games really badly and then we talk about them. Probably Uh, worse. Probably worse. So, strap yourselves in for a good episode of Crap, and we are sure to deliver. You're welcome. So, so, Chase, what have you been up to? Um, What have
0: I been having? We've just had this conversation. It feels like it's been zero time since we last spoke. Um, What have I been doing? So, hobby challenge finished. I didn't have anything else there. Glorious. Um... Except all the bases that I still haven't done. (laughs) Anywho.
1: This seems to be a theme.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's the last thing I do. So if anything is going to get missed, it is that. Um, Sort of. So I decided, I cracked the shits and had a bunch of Infinity stuff in boxes and blisters and all kinds of things. Um, So I powered through the pain that is assembling and cleaning metal. And, um, you know, there were a couple of nights there where my crotch was just full of metal shavings as I was scraping <laughs> off mold lines and... But that's and, usual, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the old, the old metal crotch.
1: Um, it, no. Anyway. It's a souvenir from Nam.
0: We'll leave that one alone. <laughs> I'm going to walk away from this go- No. Um, but it basically means I have a bunch of stuff now, uh, assembled for Infinity, none of which I know what it does. Um... But it's all ready for some paint. I've, I printed off some kind of detailed bases and things, um, but I want to paint them separately. So at the moment they're all just glued to their, um, the stock standard kind of plain bases they're on, and then I'll get them painted and I'll get the bases painted, and then I'll, I could make effectively means I can do the bases at the same time as the models here, and then so the last step will just be taking the model off the old shitty plain base and putting it on the new shiny. Painted, detailed base, profit. Yep. yep. Look what I've done there.
1: It sounds like a plan. Uh, I'll await to see it happen.
0: Well, my current dilemma is because my printer is a FDM, so it works off a like a spool of plastic. Um, but effectively, because it prints in layers, even at reasonably fine layer, you get these little lines in between the the layers. So. I should sand these bases, or at least do something to try and kind of finish the top of them before I do any of this, and that is the thing that will be my undoing. Either I will decide to do that, or that that needs to be done and never do it, or I'll decide that that doesn't need to be done, and it will frustrate me throughout the entire painting process because there'll be all these little layer line details that infuriate me. Um, therein lies the problem. So anyway... Infinity stuff assembled, step one. Um, Step two, I painted a bunch of dwarves.
1: So you did.
0: And the story here is, about ten years ago, maybe a little bit more, I decided I wanted to play some Mordheim. And I feel like a lot of these skirmish games, the really cool thing about them is you could paint stuff that you'd never want to paint an army of because you're only painting like 10 of them. That kind of thing. Yep. So, And this is where the idea of, oh, I'll i play dwarves in time because I never want to paint an army of dwarves. That sounds horrible. Um, I never want to play dwarves in, a, in an army-scale game, but if I only have to do 10 of the bastards, this will be great. So I went and raided a friend um, who had a massive collection of just old stuff, went and raided his collection and grabbed a whole bunch of really old... Um, sort of you know, single pose metal out of production wars that I could find, um, and they're awesome because they've got all this amazing character where they're, you know, um, chugging beers and they're kind of that old hand sculpted, big hands, over exaggerated feature kind of fun. So that was ten years ago. I painted one and a bit, and they have sat in a cupboard for this time, um, and I cracked the shits and decided they needed to get done. So I've been feverishly painting dwarves um, to the point that all of them now have paint on them. Um, I've got uh, it, it's a couple of other like It was that frustrating thing of I almost finished and then realised I missed a spot. And now I've got to go back in and fix the spot that I missed. See, they looked finished to me. No, there's, there's at least a couple of bits I could show you but I don't want to. Um, or there's one where I definitely got some paint on a bit that I didn't want to get paint on and now I've got to go back and fix that um, and also they need bases um,
1: yes so this seems to be your thing
0: well the only reason it's my thing here right is because I had glued them onto bases at some stage in history what I would have liked to do and my my actual preferences when I do things properly is that Assemble model, in this case it's pretty simple, they're all single pose, single piece metals that you don't need to do anything to. Um, do the basing bit, so any of the rocks or stones or detail or anything that you want to put on the base, do it at that point in time. Glue model to base, paint the whole thing, and then it's just like painting one big model. These, I didn't do that. This was clearly before I had that epiphany. So, they are glued to just the old school square slot of base deal. I've painted them, and now I need to go back and put basing stuff under their feet. Um, maybe not the wisest of decisions, but it's what I've decided to do, and I will live with it. Um, so, <laughs> that's that's basically been my painting for the last little bit. Um, getting a few of those uh, up to a stage that I can sort of play some games, I have decided that what would be better than getting progress done for the Hobby Honeys Terrain Tournament um, and actually painting some terrain I had done, I would print some more. So I've printed some more, but I found this really cool, um, and what what caused this whole problem, right, is I found this cool set of files from a company called 3D Hexes. It's called the Boneyard of the Titans or something, but um, effectively it's this giant spine and... Rib cage that's all kind of old and buried and stuff. So you can, it's, you know, it's, you can kind of get where it's going. It's this old sort of Titan graveyard, um, and it was too cool not to get. And I decided I need to do those. So now I have more terrain printed, unpainted.
1: And it sounds numbers. like really good terrain. Like it's, it's super fun. Really piques my curiosity.
0: And I am wondering whether I can mix that with. I've got a couple of the Goblin Town, the Lord of the Rings Goblin Town sets. that Mm -hmm. are all the kind of walkway bridge things. And I'm wondering whether that would be fun to do almost like an excavation style scenery themed thing.
1: Archaeology. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, You could almost make it, yeah, Goblin Archaeology and they're trying to dig up and reanimate the, the bones of this old critter. Anyway... That was kind of what's spinning through the head. Um, so, I printed some more stuff. And beyond that, I feel like I haven't done anything else. But that's probably about it, I think.
1: No, it's only been, what, a week and a half, yeah. I think, since we recorded last. So. And
0: the other thing that really put a damper on everything is that I would normally do all my priming, all the airbrushing, and any of the sort of really messy terrain stuff in the shed. Um, and then I keep my hobby area nice. That's a lie, but... Um, without sand all over the floor and without an airbrush spraying in the room and whatnot. So the problem I have there is we decided that we would buy a cubby house for my daughter for Christmas and currently that is sitting in eight boxes and a slide in my garage taking up all of the available space for me to hobby. Um, so So
1: this this brings up two dilemmas for me. Like, first of all, yeah, Christmas is what—that's five, six weeks away. Mm-hmm. What if your daughter listens to this? Now, then she's going to know what she's getting for Christmas.
0: Yeah, what's really great here is that she's two. Um, so, firstly, for her to listen to this, I would need to let her, or be making, forcing her to listen to it. I don't know during bath time to bump up our listens uh, and downloads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could use it as sort of like a sleep thing. We could... Our droning on could help her sleep.
0: I see where you're going here. And now I'm also wondering whether I need to find some kind of super funny... Like kids style music for the intro interval. (laughs) Now we have a new demographic that we need to appeal to. Well, they do do...
1: Like nursery rhyme versions of Tool and all sorts of stuff. It wouldn't be too hard to find. Um, My second dilemma, of course, is that if you're not airbrushing at the moment, how am I supposed to come around and steal your airbrush? Well, stealing it's the easy bit. Um, Oh, you've got it all set up. I don't don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to
0: be doing it, Dan. Oh, I do. (laughs) Uh, um, No, so sometime in the very near future, I need to somehow wangle some more space back in my shed so I can at least function. Um... My current dilemma is more around the fact of how am I going to assemble this cubby house between now and Christmas without her knowing? Because I don't want to do this Christmas Eve. It's a bit... No, no, definitely
1: not. Don't do that. Um, (laughs) There is the voice of experience. Oh, look, yeah. Not personally, but I... I mean, I've heard plenty of stories about my parents that got sucked into that. Uh, And then I saw... My kids recently had their birthdays, uh, yeah, don't ask, it's four four days apart. My daughter got given by my parents a beautiful wooden doll's house, mm-hmm. which was all set up and my mum spent ages like buying little bits and pieces for it. It's just stunning. My son got an amazing Hot Wheels garage mm-hmm. with this big track where a shark pops up and possibly eats the cars. That sounds amazing. That wasn't made up. Yeah. So my daughter got this amazing doll's house and straight away...
0: Was playing with was it. Was playing with yeah. it. And
1: <laughs> my poor wife, we're trying to, We're having dinner on my kid's birthdays. And, you know, nice family meal with my parents around. And my wife's sitting in the other room trying to yeah. assemble the... The racing cars. The racing yeah. cars. And then... Of course, I had to fix a few bits after that, but... That's inevitable. Yeah, look, don't do it night before. Yeah, that's no. all I'm saying.
0: No, it, Yeah, it's a bit of a beast, and I, I'm not sure how I'm going to work it, but that's the other hobby project I have on the horizon that counts, right? Definitely does. Um,
1: that's me. What's been up happening with you? Um, Non-hobby-wise, I've been watching a couple of things. I've been trying, like I talked about last time, trying to catch up on a couple of shows that I'd sort of half-watched. And then stopped for whatever reason. So I'm trying to get through a couple of them. I managed to finish season one of C. don't know if you are aware of this. This is a... It was an Apple TV. That's why I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's set in the far future where the human existence, uh, everyone is born without sight. So it's the next evolutionary step. I yeah. The, I mean, it's interesting the way they've done it, the way they communicate is by little bits of rope with tight knots. So it's kind of like Braille. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting to see how they move, how they find things, um, you know, their bases and their homes are like set up with bits of wire or, or rope along the top. It's kind of like a nomad sort of situation. Interesting concept, and the idea is that there's these two children that are born with sight. And The main star is Jason Momoa from Aquaman okay. and uh, Game of Thrones, so he's very good in it. It's kind of you know a role that he was made to play. You know, this big, tough tribal guy, blind tri- tribal guy, blind tribal yeah, guy. Love it. But I don't know, it just sort of failed. Somewhere along the lines It's Too much thought In the concept And not enough In the execution maybe Disappointing So But I did finish Season 1 of that I finished season 2 Of Harley Quinn Mm -hmm. Which Was good Uh, That was good Because as well As being You know Episodes of violence And and People dying and, And Shit Fuck You know Motherfuckers All over the place um, they're only like 20, 25 minutes each anyway, okay. so it's nice and easy to get through. And then I've made a start on getting through the latest season of Legends of Tomorrow, which I'm really struggling with. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that lost me way too quickly. Yeah, look, I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for doing its sake, but at least, you know, I'll stick it on tomorrow while I clean up the house and pay more attention to the dishes than... I do to the TV show. That so.
0: is that is a review for you, people. That's there. it. If you need something to not distract you. you from doing the dishes,
1: motivate you to do housework. <laughs> Legends of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. John Constantine is the only redeeming feature of that show.
0: So he, he wasn't even there when I was yep. before I ducked out. So. <laughs>
1: Uh, Hobby-wise, I have painted a couple of things. So we had a little bit of a hobby session with the Hobby Homies guides the other night. That, yeah. I believe you were painting dwarves. I the was time. painting
0: dwarves. It's, that's what I've been doing.
1: Yeah. I have started again on my four Orc Underworlds Warband. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing them in like bright, weird colours Contrast, which I'm planning on going over with actual paint and, and using contrast dips and and crevices to to help me paint them a bit better. So currently they're looking very vulgar.
0: I feel like you're uh, you're overselling the uh, offensiveness of the paint jobs.
1: Yellow armor, purple skin. Fair, blue, military
0: colors. It was a blue weapons that sold me, and it was the first coat before they had anything else on them Where it was just primary yellow, primary blue.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, okay, I, I think I see where you're going, but right now, yeah, <laughs> yeah was, right now,
1: it's hopefully one of those situations where every step right up until they're finished looks like shit, and then all of a sudden it all ties together. That's what I'm hoping for. What I'm expecting is the same thing, but the end result is shit too. <laughs> Um, as apart from that, I did paint up the Bosk miniature for Star Wars Legion.
0: Did you see him too?
1: And I did him, he was 99% contrast, so it was very quick. He was done in, like, session and a half, really. And he, I'm really happy with him. Yeah. The contrast worked really well with that model, so I think the only thing that wasn't contrast were his eyes and his claws on his feet. Probably makes sense. Um, apart from that, I have purchased a couple of things. So, mm. what? what about things? Finally, I got in a copy of Battlestar Galactica. Oh my God. So I ordered this um, July, maybe even June, and it rocked up the other day. So It's clearly COVID shipping at its worst. Yeah. Like, that's... That being said, the, I mean, COVID shipping is an absolute pitch. I'm still waiting on things in the mail that I know were sent middle of October. So, from Melbourne.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but they, they've they had to go via,
1: um, you know, Cancun. Yeah, Alaska. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that I have bought, or I have pre-ordered, let's say. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Blood Bowl 2020. Yes. So, I am so excited. Like, yeah. We have a session already booked in for the uh, day after it the day after it comes out. I was hoping that would be a week after, but no. Timing was not quite we what get I expected. A whole
0: 24 hours to crack the box, read the rules, know the difference, assemble the models, and be ready to play.
1: No. No, because it comes out on the Friday, and I'm working on the Friday, so I won't get home till like close to seven. Yeah, I'm hoping to kickstart this thing off mid-afternoon on Saturday, mm-hmm. so that's a lot less than twenty-four hours for me.
0: You will have it for twenty-four hours. <laughs> By the time what we... you choose to do with the time in between there, if it's not, <laughs> read the rules and work out the difference.
1: If it's working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, true. That I, could, is, I could call in sick, I that suppose. That is your
1: choice. Um, but at the same token, we, we're going to have two games going on at the same time and none of those games use Imperial Nobility or the Black Hawk team that come in the box. So there's no assembly that really needs to be done. It's just reading through the rules. Yeah. But I am very excited. I am
0: so pumped, but I'm also so very aware of how confused I get between editions for that yep. first couple of games where you're like, oh, the gameplay is like this. Oh, wait, they've changed the. All right, let's just go back three steps. And mm-hmm. it turns out they, they've only changed the rules just enough to confuse me. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> Which is probably what they were thinking of in the first place.
0: It, it's clearly objective. Um, yeah, no, I have a copy now. On sure? pre-audit, well, I have been assured that there is an order with my name on it, and when I show up on Friday the 27th, it will be in store, and I will pick it up, and I might even give the money for it.
1: Um, so, is this the place that you were messaging? Did they actually get back to you? Or eventually, this... yes. Okay. That's better than some people.
0: Look, I was impressed. The uh, service is, has improved 200%. Um
1: The delay is not quite as delayed.
0: Well, as long as the delay in receiving is not as delayed. No, it will be fine. So, pick it up on the 27th. Game's organised for the 28th. I just have to know what the difference in the rules are. Mm -hmm. That's fine.
1: Excellent. And, uh, I mean, if we're organised, then maybe you and I can run through a game on the 27th. But that involves us being organised and me stealing you away from your family. On the Friday night, and then some of the Saturday. So the only challenge here is
0: my wife's birthday is the twenty fifth, and I don't know what that means. Like that's okay. a whole yeah, whole yep. two days prior. I feel like it's long forgotten by then, but we'll see. Excellent. Um, so the, yeah, these are the things I'm negotiating. Um, yes, I, levels of excited though, like. Yeah. it's, it's so many
1: levels. Um I just can't wait. Look and I was I was fully prepared to to drop a lot more on the pre order than I did, um, because I knew that the necromantic stuff was delayed mm-hmm. in getting to Australia, but I expected to be able to pre order it anyway. Uh, yes. So I was going in to pre order the, the dice for the new Necro team because they had dice. And uh, I guess I have to have them.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Somewhere etched in stone is that.
1: It is for me. I've got like I've got a full bloody box full of dice, and most of them are blood bowl. And thou shalt
0: own all of the dice.
1: Not all, just the ones for the teams that I like, which is all oh. a good seventy, eighty <laughs> percent.
0: So you might as well just round that out, eh?
1: Yeah. Um, and I was going to buy the pre-order the new necro board as well. Mm-hmm. Because I'm planning next year, next season, to run Necro. And I do like the old Undead board better, but it's... I've seen that up for sale at the moment for 99 quid. Unacceptable. That is not an amount that we pay for the board. No. Um, I mean, that's what... I don't know. You've got... 200 Australian dollars?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's like one hundred and twenty too many, yeah. um, at least. Yeah, because um, you've got that team coming via Kickstarter.
1: Via Kickstarter, looks like from last update, it was looking like it could be January, and then there was an update saying that some of the people in their factory have COVID, so it's been probably going to be pushed back to about Feb. Rude, which yeah is barring the whole obvious. You know ups you know, you
0: know risk of life
1: and all that. Type. Risk of life and all that. I'm I'm just gonna in my head assume that these guys are gonna be fine and that yeah, the young guys making blood bowl stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um so Feb's not too bad. Nah, it's it's pretty reasonable. So I am looking forward to that idea. Is a Kickstarter and it's showing
0: up. You're ahead.
1: I've I, I've done a few too many Blood Bowl Kickstarters. And I didn't mention this to you, but I have had uh, a little bit of a discussion with the gentleman that runs our Blood Bowl League website, mm-hmm. and all looking good, he's hoping to have all the new rules up by the new year. So, Damn. So, with any luck, we will be able to kick off on there, and I'm thinking, you know, start the new league I was thinking Jan Feb. Yeah, so, so basically, maybe when, whenever Undead yeah, Team yeah. arrives... just I just saw the correlation there. Yeah. Obviously, that was intentional, planning, but yeah. I didn't think of it. But yeah, no, absolutely, as soon as my Necro Team arrives, then I'll give myself about a week or two to get them put together and start on painting, and then we'll start the league. Like it. I think that's fair.
0: Yeah. Totally forgot, speaking of random purchases that I'd forgotten about, um, the new Warcry box, the catacombs mm. one, I didn't buy that. Um, no. but rich from throw the dice bought a copy for the store because he wants the terrain and the battle plan card and like all that stuff for the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and to make that a little bit more pal- palatable, given that he's already got crews for the store and himself and whatnot, most people have already got one. He decided to sell off the crews that came with the catacombs box. Um, so now I own the, not Dark Elves, because they're not allowed to call them Dark Elves anymore, Shadow Elves, something, either way, but it's Elves with an A, stop it. Um, but they were very pretty, and he, he literally threw a post up, it wasn't, it was like a message up to a group, and said, I'm thinking about doing this, before I list them for sale, would anyone like them? And... It didn't, like, I feel like I was typing before I'd even understood what the message was asking because I just, <laughs> it was literally just like, well, I'll take one of them and we'll find someone else for the other one. He's like, which one? I'm like, whichever one the other person doesn't want. That's, that's fine. They're both good. I would be happy with either of these. <laughs> I'd be even happier if I didn't have to buy the whole categories box. You get it. Um, So this was a win-win. And then, yeah, so if someone else wanted the the Signs of the Flame, whatever they're called, I'm more than happy with this. So pick those up. Um, They're still on Spru because I've been painting dwarves. Um, And I snagged a game of Malifaux in last week too. Um, I don't know how. But I managed to sneak in to, to throw the dice on their Thursday Malifaux night um, and played... I basically taught one of the local guys running through his first... I think it's his first third edition game. Mm-hmm. He played sort of once or so, twice pre-third uh, ed uh, and then we're just trying to nut out. And it's so much harder when, A, I'm not as familiar with the rules as I used to be, but also I don't know what all the other models in the like, I don't know what other crews do. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to teach someone what they do, sitting across the table from someone. And they're like, my model does this. And I'm just like, cool. All right. And then it wasn't until after the game, um, we were chatting. And he's like, oh, I reread this card. And I don't think my model had slow every turn. I think he just comes out with slow the turn he summoned. And I'm like, yeah, no, I thought the upgrade gave him slow every turn. He's like, no, 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 just, just the once. I'm like, okay, things you learn. It's just that not knowing mm-hmm. what, what other models do and what other upgrades do and all that kind of stuff and the the challenging thing with Malifaux is all the models do different things. Even now that they've streamlined it. But it's just it's really cool just to, to flip some cards, throw some really sweet looking models on the table, and I busted out my old Victoria's crew and I have missed them it turns out. Because I've tried a few different crews for third ed, just going, all right, what do I want to play? What if 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 this is gonna be those games I break out occasionally and play? What am I gonna play? Let let's try and lock in a a crew or something that I can just sort of bust out. And I've tried a few, and it just haven't really. They haven't quite tickled me in all the right ways. Pulled the Vicky's out, and I'm like, yes, this is this is like coming home. This is this is my jam. So I feel like that that was the win there. Um, but we fumbled our way through a, a game with no objectives, and and a whole bunch we skipped a, half the rules. Um, and just kind of got the mechanics down again, and, and started working out what things do. That was that was awesome. But um, I'm actually super pumped to try and get there and run an enforceable brawl for yes, 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 a bunch yes. of people in the in the store because I feel like everyone's at that stage where they kind of got the basic idea of the game down. They're starting to play bigger games and things, but I feel like this would just 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 hook everyone in. Yes. So that's that's the let next me player. in.
1: Do it on a night
0: that I can get there because I want to play it. Done. All right, we'll, we'll just tee something up. Although we're
1: still limited with number of people, aren't we?
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure how it works with distancing because it, it works in the store because you can kind of have space between each of the tables, mm-hmm. and I want to remove that space and have like five, ten players on one table. I'm not sure how that works, but details. Yeah,
1: Maybe I believe there's going to be another announcement maybe this weekend, so maybe things will change a little bit more now that we're... Are we 19 days? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, without without a case here in Victoria. And of course, it looks like we've given them all to South Australia.
0: Well, that's how you do it, right? You just... We, we learnt from the English. If you have the undesirables, you ship them somewhere else. <laughs> um.
1: Oh, dear. Anyway, so... One good thing is that we are back here. We are recording together.
0: In person. In
1: person. I believe the sound should technically be better. Although last podcast, I was actually quite impressed with the sound, even though we recorded online.
0: I'm really hoping it's going to require less post-production editing on my behalf, because I don't like You I'm don't doing do any it. of it, though. Well, not normally, <laughs> and I've, I've started, well, since we were doing them online, the last couple I started trying to tinker, just to make it a little bit less online-y, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also hoping things like, we should be able to talk over each other, and firstly, that should happen less, because we actually can see when each other are talking, Yes. Um, but secondly, when it happens, you won't have a... Um, recording software over the internet freak out and kind of merge our voices in some kind of representation of like sure singing um believe so that's the dream
1: alright Um the only negative that I can see is that I can hear my fan through the headphones so I believe that even though it's hot here tonight I might try and, try and turn the fan off while we go for a break and see eh, we'll see how it plays out see how it plays out so apologies if you can hear that, I can definitely hear it. What what we'd like to point
0: out though is we officially have a fan.
1: Yes. Um <laughs> It's metal, I have to turn it on and I pay for it. But it's an have, official fan. Yeah.
0: Boys we said we we're a big metal fan. Anyway, we yeah. have a big metal fan anyway. Um
1: Alright, so why don't we take a break? You can play some music. I'll go kill myself over that joke. And <laughs> if we're lucky, we'll come back and talk about the game that we played. Lucky. All right. We'll chat to you in a sec. we are back. Look at that. Hopefully you are not asleep from listening to whatever lullaby that Jace has put on. I was just going to sing for the... You should duration. probably... Wow. This all brings up a whole another question. When are we getting a theme song? But We kind of have one and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I know, but it's no unfocused. No, but... It's also a lot of effort. (laughs) I get that, I get that. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Jace used to do a Malifaux podcast and wrote and performed their theme song. So I am expecting at some point that he's going to do the same for us. Wishful thinking, perhaps.
0: Well, I'm currently also living in a space where so currently, I have a bunch of guitars hanging on a wall in a lounge room. Accessible. I'm, I'm yep. about to lose that lounge room. Um,
1: so you're going to have to do something with the guitars.
0: I so could them play somewhere. them. I could. More likely is that they're going to end up in cases in the garage <laughs> <laughs> with the cubby house and
1: <laughs> everything. Else. And the airbrush. Um. Yeah. And your bed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You can see see the pattern that's forming here. I'm slowly being evicted. Um, (laughs) We'll see how that plays out. But um, yeah, I'm currently going, the kids are getting higher, (laughs) like they're getting taller. And I thought that all the guitars were hanging at a relatively safe level, but that's becoming less and less safe. Um, And I'm losing that lounge room, like it's no longer going to be mine. Apparently we get to have an adult lounge room, but that doesn't have to get to have anything fun in it. That has like conversation. And...
1: Oh, oh, my parents had one of those. It yep. just had like a couple of couches. Yeah, and had to be clean all the time, and we weren't allowed in it, and it just looked like the most boring room in the house.
0: Yeah, we're getting one of those. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. Um, I forgot to put one in in this house. My friend. That was that was a tactical maneuver. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, we totally played a game. We did. And this is this is a game that I've heard talked about for a long time. I have been a part... You have been part of many conversations, you and I, Jace, where it's always, let's play this, let's play this, and a lot of talk.
0: But no, I've never I, actually played it. And it was... Because I raised this a couple of times with, with the group in question. And it was always, oh, we need terrain and we need and we need crews built and paint and everything um, and it's it's kind of fun because being an older game it was one of those ones that was kind of when I first started playing it it's find whatever the hell you can like clear a spot of floor mm-hmm. get some tissue boxes if you need to for some buildings and you know start there and well, then we used to
1: play like 40k with like empty packaging from you know whatever it was a printer or a yeah you know, yeah print a cartridge or you know, whatever it would would be
0: um look I a hundred percent understand the next level, like the appreciation of having everything super shiny and ready and and you know the best thing in the world and it it does make the game even
1: better gorgeous look, is yeah. it an excuse not to play look, going back yeah, you know, like I said, I did used to play with all sorts of bits and pieces for scenery. I think I've become a snob though because I wouldn't do that now but you know we've got bits of scenery out and we played it again. yeah
0: and i mean even even pulling the scenery out i did have you know moments of guilt because a lot of my very shiny sheen scenery is currently at Throw the dice in the store there <laughs> um, and i didn't want to take that off it because he's slowly, you know slowly trying to build up the store collection and everything um so 100% get that and i you know offered it to him when he opened the store. So I don't want to sort of Indian give, but, but also I wanted shiny things to play on. So I either have to encourage him to get terrain for the store or just make more for me. I feel like, I feel like option B is probably the more likely in the short term.
1: Probably the easier one. Yeah.
0: And I'm just back some more printable scenery, Mm. Kickstarter things anyway. Um,
1: but, you know, the scenery we did play... We're skirting around the issue. I'm well aware of that. But the scenery we did play on was is still pretty cool. I do like these little houses. They have their, their own inbuilt cobwebs. Um, they have been in my garage for a very long time. <laughs> um, but at the same note, like, my scenery is definitely not suitable for the game that we played, which was...
0: I'm really enjoying the fact that we are just skirting around it. Like, I'm wondering whether we can get through the whole episode without mentioning the game that we played and then do some kind of, you know, award reward giveaways for the person who works out the game that we played from the clues.
1: But then again, you're going to make some pun in the name of the episode.
0: Oh, yeah. Which will probably give it away anyway. That's totally going to give it away. Um, All right. Let's
1: see how far we can go without mentioning the word Mordheim. (laughs)
0: And we played Mordheim. I've missed this game so much. Um, So, for those playing at home that have no idea what we're talking about, Mordheim is a Games Workshop specialist game that stopped being supported a very long time ago. Um, According to the rulebook that I have, um, it was published or copyrighted in 1999. And it was kind of done as a easier introduction skirmish style game for warhammer fantasy so it's set in the warhammer fantasy world um but instead of having massive armies and that whole kind of rank and flank deal it's skirmish there's you know 10 models on the table kind of deal it's it's that um and in the vein of a lot of the other specialist games inquisitor blood bowl it's about character development and progression and building your crew and their models and that kind of piece so Um, very aware that it was kind of done as a little bit of a, how to hook people into fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was also one of those games that it was never competitive play. It was never a match sort of one-off battle. The entire game is built around a campaign system. Um, so it's built around this idea of a narrative ongoing, um, you know, system or campaign. Um. So it was never just a one-off, play a game, win a game, lose a game. It didn't really matter if you won or lost. Um, Equally, it was, as I said, more of that kind of, how can I build my crew and get attached to the models and and that kind of piece. Um, So,
1: Jumping jumping ahead, it does seem to me like sort of a cross between a miniatures game and a role-playing game. That is very much how
0: it's how it's solved, mm. and how it sort of works for both both parties. Um, you know, those those people that aren't really into miniatures games but are keen on on roleplay, um, and vice versa. It kind of acts as this really nice gateway in between those two
1: worlds. Now, tell me, just on a sort of tangent here, have you played Necromunda?
0: Never, not, not the current edition, but you have
1: played it. Now, is From what you remember, is this the fantasy version of Necromunda?
0: Similar. Um, Probably what I would say, and this is trying to remember sort of, you know, whatever edition 40k Necromunda is based on. um, Necromunda was always a little bit more convoluted, um, Mm -hmm. just as a game, because they had the ammo dice and that kind of stuff. Um, But same concept in that Necromunda was always. 40k skirmish 3d um and and the kind of the other fun bit was is like everyone is a little bit shitter than whoever that would be the equivalent in 40k you know having space marines kicking around Mm necromancer right um so everybody sort of starts off as an average kind of human um who can't hit the side of a barn. like basically everyone's a stormtrooper and then this is the same kind of game where the crews start out really really simple and really basic and no one can do anything, Um, and then slowly or rapidly, as the case may be, progress. But the other piece with this, right, it's one of those games that JIDA brought out. They did heaps to support it. Um, They had sort of the the Town Crier, which was this ongoing sort of magazine with supplements and and sort of extra crews and warbands and um, scenarios and all kinds of funky stuff. Did heaps of that and then dropped the game at Mm -hmm. some point in time when they dropped a bunch of the specialist games. And the community just picked it and ran with it. And there's so many more community-developed warbands and extra rules and erratas and stuff like this. And it beyond the digital version, so the um, PC, Mm -hmm. Xbox game, JIT, I haven't looked at it since. So it's kind of one of those. um, Another one that the community really has a sense of ownership of, and that's both amazing that it's happened and been carried on. But also kind of scary, because someday GW will probably come back and mm. we'll have Blood Bowl 2020 all over again.
1: Because nah, it's... it's I'm trying to sort of differentiate between them all in, in my head. So I know that Necromunda, I believe, was a couple of years, maybe two years before Mordheim came yep. out. Um, and then... Later on in life, we're looking at Kill Team for forty k, mm-hmm. and Warcry for fantasy. Yep. Now, Warcry's is not. It's similar, but not similar.
0: Yeah. To this. So I would say so. Warcry. Warcry is sort of what is this? The Age of Sigmar? What it is? It, it, it's it's a simplified rule set. It's a little bit more streamlined, but also I feel like Age of Sigmar is a simplified rule set when you compare it to the old school Warhammer. Mm-hmm. So. Probably on par, relatively. Um, but I also feel like Warcry, the campaign piece, is probably a little bit lighter than the, the Mordheim campaign as well. And that's the the major difference between them. Warcry's got a campaign piece, but there isn't a heap of progression. Mm-hmm. You Because that's you can the thing that you've crew. looked at. Yeah, so you can build out your crew... You can get sort of artifacts and things and guys can get injured and, and that kind of thing. But I feel like Mordheim has that in spades and that you can start buying equipment. You can start searching for treasure and um, trading. And it just, it takes it to the next level in the same way that all of their kind of old specialist games let you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Necromander had territories and trading and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, even, even Blood Bowl. Um, to a level, you know, with the, with the injuries and skills and that kind of progression piece. Um, I just think it's it a level above, again, what anything that is currently out there, Warcry included, offers. Um, that being said, Warcry is still uh, an absolutely a game.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking, I'm trying to, trying to compare the two as to what sort of... Because you, I know you've looked into doing a campaign for Warcry, but I don't know the rules. But at the same time, having played this now... I mean, there's a whole experience points progression, rolling for skills and stuff when you level up. Yeah, um, I couldn't imagine that sort of thing in war. Not, Crime. not to the
0: same, nowhere near the same level. Okay, um, you know, guys can get injured, so they can can lose a point of movement or a point of this. They can get um, abilities and feats and things, but nowhere near the same level. Um, or the, there's no one near the same breadth of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. And also it's kind of like at a, at a point in time with the Warcry campaign, it ends um, and you start again. Yeah, um, And I can't remember how many games that is, but effectively it, it's got a lifespan. And I think that was done intentionally to, to keep it balanced because the thing you can do with more time is play forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if eventually that can mean that somebody can have this super developed crew that just... Auto wins, um, depending on what happens throughout all those games. If they've been playing the same Warband for the last two years and just kept improving it, where's the like? So it is, it requires a greater level of community moderation, and that's like your local gaming Mm -hmm. community.
1: Makes sense. Now, so we put, we started talking about this a number of weeks ago, and I came to you saying, oh this is the team I want to run and you kindly put me a little crew sheet together and so I made that up and I I painted them up over the last couple of well it was over half a week and we talked about that last week but I didn't actually mention that they were more at home so I have a little crew of seven Skaven uh, all nicely painted I'm very happy with them I don't think I mentioned that they were more time anywhere, even on Instagram. So, just to keep that suspense so that, you know, if we want to run this little competition where somebody guesses what game we're talking about, um, the clues wouldn't be there. But anyway, so my Seven Skaven are being led by an assassin. He's a very old-school metal assassin model, which I found... Yeah, from bits and pieces, which I bought as a kid, I love that model. Like, he's just got a big cape, he's got two weeping blades, and he's got shurikens, and he just looks cool. Uh, I've got an Eshin sorcerer who was from the, and I'm going to get this wrong again, Isle of Blood? Yep. Is that right? Yeah, no, that's okay, right. Okay, cool. So it's a Warhammer Fantasy um, starter box. He's the model from that. I have two Night Runners, I have a little Vermin guy, and I have a Rat Ogre from the same Isle of Blood uh, set. And so most of mine are just bits and pieces that i found in boxes, Uh, but I put them together. I'm happy with how they look, and they all look sort of... They look like the same crew, but a little bit different to each other. Yeah. So... Uh, but that gives me five heroes and two henchmen in my crew.
0: You're nice. And look, this was this was a fun conversation because for anyone experienced with Mordheim, um, there are a couple of crews that, you know, this, on, on mention you get a collective sigh from the community. Um, and Skaven can be one of them. And the reason being is, as I mentioned, everybody, when you start, playing a game is shit it's that stormtrooper syndrome no one can hit so weight of dice play a massive part Mm -hmm. of the game Um, what Skaven potentially let you do is put a lot of models on the table that are very very cheap and all of those models can have a very very cheap weapon that is a sling that works at range and you can just throw a shit ton of dice Um, and it turns out that that's no fun for anyone and kind of one of those things
1: that ruins the game um and that's, that's something I don't want to do. I've never really been one to... I mean, it just sounds boring to me.
0: Yeah. Um, it's boring for everyone. And it was great because we had that conversation. And I said, well, if you want to do really, really well in the game, this is what you do. If you want to have fun, let's pick some models that are cool. Um, and I want
1: a, I want a Rat Ogre. Yeah. Like, I just want a Rat Ogre. It's the same as Blood Bowl. I want a Rat Ogre in my Skaven team, even though a lot of people will tell you not to take him. Eh. What well, yeah. do people know? Um, people on the
0: internet have never told me anything of value. Um, so, so, and we're telling you that, as people on the internet, um, you should disregard everything that we have said ever. Um, so, similarly, I, as was talking about some models before, painting some dwarves. So, and this was specifically for Mordheim. I. would cobbled together a war band. You know, as I said, 10 years ago, they've been sitting in a a cupboard somewhere um, that are all kind of old metal models. Um, You you know, classic coated sculpts that you just...
1: They are really nice looking models. There's so much character.
0: I I love it. And, you know, I got them secondhand. They were old when I got them, but there's just a certain charm with a lot of those um, really old sculpts. So the way this plays out, is my warband is led by a noble. He, you know, is a big dude with a hammer. Um, he's a dwarf. He's a dwarf. They and, always have hammers. That's kind of yeah. And and this is the other thing. Like, there's a whole bunch of weapons and armor and stuff you can take, but I feel like a you, you almost want to take with what the model has, or b what, the, what just would be epically cool and thematic for the warband as well. So it's there's there's a lot of opportunity there. So noble. Um, an engineer, because everybody needs an engineer, and a Troll Slayer, um, and this was kind of old, metal, naked Troll Slayer, not new, naked baby, whatever they called. Fire Lords? Fire somebody's
1: I don't know. Are they, I did not know they, know, they weren't called Troll Slayers anymore.
0: No, there's a whole faction of naked baby looking dwarves. Uh, anyway. Troll Slayers
1: are so good.
0: Yeah, um... So one of those, um, and then a couple of Beardlings, which are basically your everyday plebs, and a couple of Thunderers. Um, So one of them has a handgun, one of them has a crossbow. Um, Internet tells me crossbows are better, but I had models with handguns. Seems fair. We get a little bit of both. Um, So that was a starting warband that I put together. Um, The way it plays out is you basically get 500 gold crowns to, to buy your war and their equipment to start with. And then you accumulate gold and, and resource throughout the, the campaign. So you can add to it and buy extra cooler stuff and whatnot.
1: Mm-hmm. Overall, pretty, pretty simple to, to build up a list, um, from what I saw and we sort of jumped straight into a game. Really? Yeah. It wasn't an awful lot of prep time.
0: No. And I think that's a good bit is there's, there isn't, um, Building a list, you know, the rule of thumb that I uh, put out is you want to maximize your heroes um, and then take whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You, you've got limited troop selection anyway. Um, so it kind of restricts what you can take regardless. Um, and then you just put what you want on the table and then you kind of wing it from, from that. Um, and then for your first game, once you've kind of put a table... On, the, on the, You know, put a table together and we kind of got the order wrong because theoretically you're supposed to take turns placing terrain and garbage, just make a table that yeah. looks cool. Um, it's kind of roll up a scenario and play.
1: And we did that. So we played late last week and we rolled to see who would be the attacker, who would be the defender and what scenario we would play what we ended up with is me as the skaven as the attacker and the scenario was that i had to get two of my guys off your board edge yeah so breakthrough
0: um is named it and effectively somebody picks um and the attacker has to get finish basically the second two of their models are within two inches of a board edge the game ends; they count as being broken through, um, and they win. If the defenders manage to rout, um, so panic off or kill all of the the attackers and stop them getting two models to a board edge, then the attackers win. Um Defended. defenders, the other ones. Yep, you know what I am talking about. I know what you are talking about. Anyway, um, so and it was pretty thematic in that the uh, the Skaven were these sneaky, fast, trying to t- attack get through the board edge, the dwarves were supposed to stand in the middle and and just be a wall of steel. Um, There was only seven of them, so that made making a wall across a 4x4 table a little bit challenging. But um, that was kind of the dream. And the the other thing that was kind of cool with this one is, so the Skaven start within eight inches of their board edge, and the dwarves can start anywhere on the table that isn't within a a, a range of their Skaven models. So you have to be a little bit for bay from them, but you can start further up the board if you want. Um you can start in range to to you know, shoot, attack, whatever, pretty quickly. Um the downside to that is if they get past you,
1: what you gonna do? Well, that was the thing, and and this is I mean, having pl- not played this at all, once I realised what was going on, I thought well this is kind of in my favour because my Skaven as a as a base move Uh, six inches most of them two of my guys move five inches and if you are running in your turn you can move double that so I'm moving upwards of 12 inches per almost per model Mm -hmm. and the dwarves move three so half that
0: Yeah. so I wasn't going to catch her
1: like this was never going to be a race so in my I mean my, my ignorant sort of noob mind i thought well this seems overly in my favor turns out it wasn't necessarily in my favor it was a lot closer than i thought it was going to be but uh i mean straight away i started legging it up the board and i figured i would put i had my seven guys split up into i think like four
0: different groups
1: so they just started bolting and i figured you know the more of them that sort of scatter, you know, the more likely I am to be able to get two through. And, I mean, you had your guys set up. You started shooting at them by turn two. Um, turn three is where our combat really started. So we had my rat ogre was sitting with a night runner. And they decided to charge into two of your guys. Which I think was, I think it was just a pleb and someone a bit more special. Yeah, was it the slayer? slayer? I think it was. Um, But then I realized that my Red Ogre had a rule called stupidity, which meant that he had to roll two dice and get equal to or under his leadership to do anything. Not a problem, right? Uh, Well, his leadership's four. Okay, on two dice. On two dice. Normal rolling should be fine. It's a 50-50, right? and yeah, 50-50, exactly. Um, so my night Rider, Rider charges in. My Rat Ogre probably fails that roll and stands there drooling just outside of combat. What I didn't realise is that we got the, the rule wrong, which I found out after the, um, Game itself. So, if the rat ogre is within six inches of a hero, which that night run definitely was, he doesn't need to make that roll at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a. I mean, yeah, new new mistake.
0: Made a difference, but yeah, the moral of the story here is read all of the rule.
1: Yeah. Um, and I was I was kind of relying on my team, uh, which was printed out of Battlescribe, which only gave me half the rule anyway. So. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. So what ended up happening is, is, on that round, what I was expecting to be a rat ogre and a night runner charging headfirst into glorious combat with the dwarves and, and winning, yes, yes. Um, my rat ogre was not there, and my night runner promptly started swiping away and rolling dice, and that's when I realised that. Uh, yeah, Everyone's kind of shit. Yeah, and it's kind of the fun bit because
0: the other piece with with this game is the individual models. They've got individual attacks. So you know, a lot of guys have got one attack. You take a second weapon, you've got two attacks. But that means you're rolling two dice. Like mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a handful. It's not five. It's not ten. It's not you know an orc unit of fifty attacks. Um, so every single one of those dice has a greater Waiting on how they impact the rest of the game, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of the the tension builder that I really, really like as part of this you know each individual dice roll matters um
1: and I was you know, I was sitting here thinking okay, night runners, they're like kind of like you know want assassins, aren't they they're pretty bad like, ass. they should have a halfway decent weapon skill uh which is
0: Roop. they they
1: half a weapon skill. It's like two. So they weren't hitting much anyway. So my night runner went down and so that was one of my guys off the table. And turn four my Radho is still standing there drooling and letting people hit him. Ineffectively. Wow, yeah he has it starts off with three wounds. He's the only guy on my team that has more than one wound and by the end of the game, he was down to one, so you were whittling away at him. He only took an entire game, yeah. But, um,
0: and look, that's it's probably the other cool thing, right? Is that m- most guys have got one wound, they take a wound, they're out of the game. It's, it happens pretty quickly, so whilst everyone is relatively shit at hitting, um, and even shitter at wounding, stuff stuff goes south pretty quickly mm-hmm. when it goes to the house. So even the red ogre. Yeah, you know, is maybe, is seen as not the optimal choice. Just having something that can tank a couple of turns and hold some models up makes a pretty massive difference.
1: Yes, he is a good chunk of my team. I think he costs like almost half of the crew. So I kind of, I want him to do damage. I want him to, to get in there and, and not have to roll four or under on two dice. <laughs> Um, And then actually get some attacks in. But at the same time, I'm also terrified of something happening to him. So (laughs) it's kind of this catch-22. Turn 4, I did, from legging it, sneakily down the side of the board and hiding behind buildings away from these crossbows and and stuff. I got my black rat uh, out off the board on turn 4. So I only needed one more. Um, My warlock started shooting and, and... doing nothing and and he charged and did nothing and I had a shot at your leader and failed to do anything. There was a lot of, I seem to be rolling not so badly to hit, sort of 50-50 there, but it seemed to be less than 50-50 when I was trying to wound. It was
0: definitely 50-50, but yeah, Um, you just got the other half of the 50, just got the bad halves. Um, And look, and again, it, it's kind of that piece, right? That every single dice roll matters, every single dice roll. And even, like, so you're rolling bad. Even when you roll badly, the thing that happens here is it's a model attacking another model, um, possibly that you're allegedly attached to. Like, my leader is pretty important to the crew. Um, so when you, just when you roll that dice, there's that moment of suspense. That mm-hmm. What's going to happen? This could be really, really good in the He's fine. Or it could be really, really bad in that he's taken out of the game and may be dead. Um, or worse, like have one movement. Um, <laughs> in which case, I would just have to knock him on the head myself. So, it's one of those things that you're not necessarily playing the odds so much, but it's just every single time you roll it the dice is A, a moment of suspense, but also a moment of real opportunity for cinema. Mm-hmm. Um
1: there's a lot of story in this game like and especially if you if you are playing a campaign and using the same team and and leveling them up and improving their skills and giving them new weapons and stuff and you know that terror of losing them just yeah. go skyrocket I reckon
0: yeah suddenly suddenly models become important and and not just important in the game but like personally you become attached to them. Like you name these guys. They they have history. They mm-hmm. have a backstory. They have, you know, some some feats that they've achieved in past games that's got them to where they are. Um you know, so my you know, my noble hero who has slain rat ogres, um <laughs> you know, getting killed is is a, a major blow to mm-hmm. to the whole the whole crew, the whole team, um, and everything that you've built up. So it's that kind of piece that adds. I think it it makes the game better than just the basic mechanics. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because there is this sense of, of personal investment in it. Um, and look, my, my whole plan for that game was to try and tie up as many models as I could with a couple of guys sort of halfway up the board, knowing that I would never catch you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could get a couple of models into combat um, to tie some people up and then rely on the couple of guys that had... Missile weapons, so the crossbows, the thunderers, um, the engineer who's got a gun, to try and... I just wanted to take a couple of models off the board and start forcing you to make route tests before you could get across. Yeah. And And this is what I found out after
1: the game, too, is just how close this game was. Because, I mean, turn five... um, Another two of my guys were pretty much off the board, so that was game. Uh, so we ended the game with one rat being taken out. Yeah. But had you taken out another rat, then I would have started having to roll leadership tests, and if I failed one of those, then that was it. That was game. Just, so it was a lot closer than I thought it would be. Um, and you, t- I mean, you tied up a couple of the rats quite well because what we found is that uh, if you've got an enemy within eight inches of you, you can't run. So my 12 inches then became six. So it became a bit slower for me to get off the board, which was good for you.
0: Yep. But yeah, it is that piece that I feel like it, it takes a lot for a player to be completely out of the game. Mm-hmm. Like for it to be a one-sided affair is a it, is it pretty big, big swing, something pretty significant has happened. Because you're right, is all it would have taken was one of those shots to land, mm-hmm. to take a model off the the board, and all of a sudden, every single turn, you have a chance of just abandoning ship, just scurrying away to your tiny little holes and feasting on the, the cheese that you have stored there. Um
1: And, I mean, I didn't actually look at, at your stats, but I'm, I'm guessing that Skaven leadership is a lot lower than most... Other crews, yeah.
0: I mean, traditionally, and that's kind of the cool thing. You've got you've theoretically the difference is you have numbers on the board, mm-hmm. um, so the leadership is less important. But in this case, where you've taken sort of less numbers, gone the rat approach, you're relying on those models staying alive, mm. um, for a little bit longer than they would because you don't want to have to start rolling that leadership because it's probably like a seven or something, which is
1: yep, 50 yeah, 50, pretty much 50 50. So, <laughs> that's, um but, yeah, I mean, that was our game, and that was pretty much half an hour? Yeah. Yeah, like, it was over very quickly, and, I mean, it was a it was a school night for us, so we decided to call it there, but we decided that, you know, with the end-of-game results, which is people getting experience, you know, gold being found, my guys found a, a slave somewhere and then sold him off for parts... Uh, which gave them some gold, and we found some some weird stone which would give us some more gold. Um, we decided to give it another game, um, which we played tonight to try and get some skills skill ups happening and some leveling up, and see how the crews progressed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah,
0: this this is where it gets fun. So, we literally did the sort of in between game stuff. You you get experience, you resolve any injuries, you start um collecting gold, so you start exploring for gold, um and potentially buying more crew or equipment and and oh you know the hiring and that kind of hiring and firing step happens. Mm-hmm. Realistically, it's the first game we played. No one really had any experience, so nobody really had any level ups, and we everyone kind of saved their money. So we Damn. we rolled into the second game. With some experience and some gold in the bank, but no real changes to to crews. No, Adam. I mean
1: the only only thing that happened was the night runner that did get taken off the board, rolled on the injury table, and and became immune to fear.
0: He was so, hardened.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't actually know what that means. I did write it down, but I didn't actually ask you tonight if that had any change on the game at all.
0: Uh, none of my guys cause fear, so it's not an issue.
1: Cool um, done. Um, but, but the yeah. rat ogre
0: causes fear So theoretically You know If it was If I had a rat ogre And I don't Because I'm playing dwarves mm-hmm. um, Yeah That rule you would ignore And you could just hit him The The Troll slayer has it So he can just Roll into a rat ogre And punch mm-hmm. him Even though he's big and scary um,
1: Do any of your other guys have it? No So
0: There's something we got wrong Probably yeah. Yeah. I forgot he had fear. <laughs> um, Until you started talking about immunity to fear. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, look at that. Rules. Um, oh, fair enough.
1: We are learnings. Um, but tonight, the objective was a little bit different. So it was kind of a, it was more an objective based yep. game. This one, we had three Wordstone shards. Weirdstone? Weirdstone. Sorry. Stone. Yep. Um, Which we sort of placed in an obvious. Spots, we placed one in the very centre and then one close to you and one close to me. Yep. And the objective was to try and have the most. Well,
0: the way this plays out is the winner and loser of the game is determined by who runs away. So if you run away, I win and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But what the scenarios give you is additional ways of collecting experience. So it's not who has the most weird shards, but for every model carrying a Weidstone shard at the end of the game gets extra experience. Mm-hmm. Um, effectively, win or loss is determined by who runs away. Um, and that can either be because I've had models taken out of action um, and so I route if I fail that leadership test or you can voluntarily route if you just don't want to have someone important murdered and you kind of give up the, the chance of winning at this point in time.
1: Which seems very thematic for a scaven team to do. I'm fully prepared to do that yeah. at, at any given state. I, look, and there, there's probably, there probably
0: was a point there in the game where you had two of the three shards. Mm. Um, that you had the chance, because I threw my noble, who was carrying one into some combat anyway, um, so there was a chance that you could pick up all three. So not necessarily a no-brainer, but you've got two of the three. You could, at that point in time, just choose to route, lose the extra experience for winning the game mm-hmm. and just guarantee, I mean, as it stands, you, you legged it with them and uh, there's no, not a chance I was getting them back. But it just means that any of those injuries and things that happen after that point in time don't, can't possibly happen.
1: Yep. Well, what happened this game, obviously I said, you know, one was close to you, one was close to me. The one that was close to me... My black rat moving twelve inches with a with a run got it and legged it behind a building pretty much straight away.
0: And there he stayed.
1: And he was there for the rest of the game and I mean thinking about this afterwards, like having those shards and running away left me kind of a couple of people down because, you know, by turns two, I had the middle shard because I got to it quicker, and I had my leader, my rad ogre, and a night runner, two night runners actually, all in one sort of group, and so the rad ogre night runner charged your guys, and then my leader sort of hung bit behind, grabbed the shard and then pissed off. Um, so, I mean, that's... It's, part of the objective is getting those objectives but at the same time did leave me two guys who weren't attacking.
0: Yeah and, and there's there's kind of the and there's probably the piece of me because my noble had the, the shard that was on my side but I also needed him in the, the thicker things because otherwise I'm out mm-hmm. outgunned and outnumbered. Um, so yeah, it was kind of that piece of going All right. who's going to grab it because he's the one most likely to live um, but I still kind of need to, to risk him a little bit to, to get in there and, and do some damage. So, um, yeah, it is, it is that difference of going, all right, well, I can either play a couple of models down mm-hmm. um, and risk losing the game, or I can risk them, put, throw them in, have you know weight of numbers on and more dice and all that kind of stuff. Um, which, again, I like the fact that there's not a no-brainer decision mm-hmm. in
1: this. End. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know so it became pretty much your your noble and an extra dude um fighting against my uh sorcerer and my verminkin. And then two of my guys just legging it behind a building right at the edge of my board edge and everybody else in a shitstorm in the middle. Yeah. Uh which, you know, my Rat ogre successfully using or not using stupidity when he shouldn't have, uh, and my night runner ran straight into your troll slayer, uh, turn two I think this was, and took him out of play pretty quickly. Pretty yeah. Actually, the runner took him out, which was not what I was expecting because I was expecting the rat ogre to do the most to damage. Do the ogre? But I didn't. Um. Anyway. Uh, so all of a sudden, Radog is just standing there going, what do I do now? Well, who do I hit? But that night runner got taken down by your guys, put on the ground and then sort of stabbed, stabbed yeah. in the heart. Um, so he came off by that stage. I'd gotten my other night runner runner in. We got a dwarf down. We tried to stab him on the floor. That didn't work. Then the night runner went down, and the Raduga got stupid, and it, just, it was just a bit of a—it's real back pile up, up piece, yeah.
0: Um, which was fun because, again, every single turn there was a no one quite knew there was a chance that we both had a model out. Mm-hmm. We both only need two models out to start looking to uh, at having to route. Um, so every single turn there was this moment of if I do this wound, if I take this model out, mm. then all of a sudden I'm I'm ahead, um, and then. Equally, even if that happens, you've got a chance of saving it if you make that leadership test and then yep. you're, you're back in the, the game and you, you know you shoe's on the other foot and, and whatnot. The other half of that is I put my two Thunderers, so the crossbow and the handgun have got like a 24 and a 30-inch range, mm-hmm. which is pretty big on a 4x4 four four table. Um, but their ballistic skill isn't massively high. Um, the handgun can only shoot every second turn. Um and, I, you know, I got one or two shots off with them, I think, but it just, it was so many times that there were no available targets because they're either hiding behind terrain or in combat. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to work out how best to to juggle that, to position them, to, to what to do with them. Um, to yeah,
1: that's it. I mean, that's a very good point. By the time my two guys were off the other side of the table hiding with their trophies. Two of your guys were kind of out of action too, which yeah. I hadn't thought about. So so it did become sort of a almost an even battle in the middle. But uh, in the end the rats just went down a bit too more too more no, too much and more often than the dwarves did. And eventually that second night runner got stomped on as well, taking him out, which caused me to make a leadership test uh which is a leadership of seven, so it's a fifty fifty roll.
0: You and, rolled fifty.
1: Uh certainly did. I rolled a double six. <laughs> so <laughs> You did it properly, that's I did it thing. properly. I like there was no way that those rats were not running away. And even as I was thinking about it, I mean, my ogre was on the ground at that point. It was probably time for me to run away. It was, at it the, was I wasn't An worried. opportune moment, yeah. No, so, and I mean, and here's the cool thing, right?
0: So, theoretically, you're I win. Mm-hmm. That being said, anyone who isn't taken out of action gains experience. You still gain experience for having um, the Weirdstone Shards. You mm-hmm. had two of them at the, out of the three at that point in time. So... Whilst I technically rack up a W, it doesn't actually mean a grand, like a lot in the grand scheme of no. things. No.
1: So, I mean, yeah, my leader was getting two experience for living and for having the, the shard. My black rat had the um, same thing. It's just, I mean, after two games, I've got one night runner who is immune to fear but has no experience. But he's the only one. Everyone else has got like two Yep. At least, so starting to level up, we had quite a few level up roles at the end of that game uh, for some very interesting things and, and this is kind of the fun bit too because you
0: you don't get a choice right so you it's a two d six role for your heroes and they will be they will based on that role they'll get an improvement in one of their characteristics or you can maybe choose a skill depending on on what your role um. But no negotiations entered into, so if you get plus one initiative or or plus one leadership on something where the leadership's probably never gonna matter, it, it, which I did on one of my guys that that happens, and you live with it, and move on, but the good thing is is like stuff has an opportunity to level pretty frequently mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing stopping us playing a bunch more of these games and and there'll be probably times where that extra point of leadership will actually save a guy <laughs> from running away and it'll be the best thing in the world.
1: Well, I got all excited because I didn't know that the Radar doesn't get experience. So he, we rolled for him to level up and he ended up getting plus one leadership, which actually would have from done something. With stupidity
0: is not the worst thing in the world.
1: Yeah, so his leadership was four, which was what he was trying to roll on, his stupid rolls. And, and one roll... Like last game, I rolled a five, so that plus one leadership would have done wonders for him. Wow. one does in that time in
0: the past. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but whatever, it's a thing. So yeah, it, look, and the good thing at this point in time is you know after two games, skill you are getting skills, you are getting mm. experience, you are you know in- increasing your warband or improving your warband. So that starts to happen pretty quickly.
1: Um, I've got ninety-seven gold to do something with, and I don't know what. I've already spent mine.
0: Um, So I bought another Troll Slayer, and I bought another Thunderer because there were two models that I have painted that Mm -hmm. had not yet in the crew, Um, and now I need to somehow find some more guys to to get, so I can make a bigger crew. Well,
1: I'm kind of half-tempted. I want to get some equipment or some cool stuff. Like, not having armor saves is interesting, because... You know, I kind of like that, that sort of last-ditch you know, possibility of surviving. Um, and pretty much the only way that I was rolling any armor saves in this game was if somebody hit me with a dagger, which gives you an automatic plus yeah. one to your armor. Um, so that's a six plus. And so I kind of want to get some equipment, but at the same time, I am rats, and I feel like I should be just buying loads and loads of rats.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the other thing... With this, is armor's expensive, and the return on investment is yeah, maybe a six plus or a five mm-hmm. plus save if you spend a fortune on armor. Um, is that worth the return on investment, you know, compared to more rats or some other funky equipment or um, you know, combat drugs? I don't know, you're allowed to buy know. drugs in this game because it was before all that censoring. Ooh, um, that's I a gene, that. yeah, there, there. I oh, said, so I'll leave the book and you can have yep. a hunt for equipment and stuff. Um, because there's heaps of cool shit that you can buy. Um, so we, we started to do that, and so some some super fun sort of thematic things that happened. So one of my little beardlings got a couple of points of experience after living through a couple of battles, and he rolled on his little henchman experience chart, and he got a result of 10, um, and the result is the lad's got talent. And what that means is your little henchman your little player becomes a hero automatically. So it counts to your your hero allowance, um, and it can start gaining skills, because the difference between henchmen and heroes, uh, henchmen, when they gain experience, they can only get characteristic increases, and they can only get one characteristic, you know, they can only increase each characteristic by one. Um, So they kind of limited to to where they can go and what they can do, and it, it is to to put the focus back on heroes because realistically they're, they're the fun bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Which makes sense. But now I've got this little beardling um, who's a hero who is now, you know, it feels like that there's, there's a story behind it now. Like he's suddenly been promoted. He's done something good. Um, And he, you know, this is where it starts getting fun. Now he can start getting skills. And this was something that I never expected to have happened. I don't know what role he's going to play in this game, in this this warband. But I'm going to have to carve him out a little niche. And he's going to
1: need something now. He's yeah demands the respect.
0: This is it. So it, it's it's that kind of thing that's fun. And you know, I had uh, an engineer that's getting skills, and I gave him. I think I gave him a hunter, which means he can actually shoot with his handgun every turn. Um, it lets him reload it faster because he's okay. done that before. Yep. Um, So, there's a bunch of those kind of things that start removing the the negative traits of things so you can... But if you're going to take that... Like, he needs to, A, have a handgun. Mm -hmm. Um, He needs to want to use that so he doesn't want to be in the thick of it. So, you actually start carving out sort of niche roles for individual models and building their skills to to support that. Um, And and that's kind of where the other fun bit comes out of it.
1: Yeah. Totally get it. So... What I was thinking, I mean, way back when we're on episode 12 now, I, you know, we haven't done it for a couple of episodes. Well, all we used to do was sort of a breakdown of the game and, you know, should you play, should you not play? I mean, you should play, firstly. All right. So, pros. Look, the pros are it's
0: simple, mm-hmm. um, it is cinematic, it is. It, it kind of removes that win-lose, I have to be good at the game piece. Um, low model count. Um, you know, If you're a, an RP, you're a role player, it, it ticks a whole lot mm-hmm. of boxes there. Definitely. If you're a miniatures gamer, it ticks a whole lot of boxes there. Um, and it's basically free because you can get the rule book and everything online for, for zero and all of the... Um, existing content as well as all the community developed stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's actually, assuming you have models laying around and you know maybe that's an assumption, um, you can put a war band together. You can cobble a war band together with most things. If there, you have some fantasy looking stuff around, you, you can throw a war band together and there's enough variety in the war bands that are available that knock knock your socks off. Just go, go to town. Um, so I also feel like that there is a, a modeling and painting piece here because you can personalize each individual model. Mm-hmm. Um, the progression, it's the campaign, it's the investment, it's the the tension, the suspense, the, those those sort of ass-clenching moments when something important is happening and there's a lot <laughs> of them in game. And also the there's a lot of those moments where, those moments you talk about, um, something happens. Someone does something unexpected. Um, there's those really heroic kind of cinematic moments that give you the the throwbacks. Remember the game where we played where this happened. Um, this game has that in spades. I suppose that's the bit that really really gets me.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I did like too that the games are really quick, so it's probably half an hour, forty minutes tops. Yep, absolute tops. Um, the other real big pro for this game, for me, is that there are Skaven. Because I just love the little guys. I love that I've always loved the models. I, you don't have to paint 300. That's it. That's the only reason that I don't play Skaven in fantasy, is that I don't play fantasy, and I didn't want to paint 600 models to do so. Um, I love Skaven so much that that my first real 40 K army was a chaos space Marine army, which I then modified with, uh, Skaven heads and tails for every single model. And, you know, I've got, you know, models of rat ogre, demon princes. I've got, uh, I've got a rat ogre riding a hell drake and all sorts of things. So, you know, that's how badly I wanted to play Skaven is that I, Maids gave in into the game I was playing, so the fact that they are here and now I have a little warband of seven, potentially more depending on what I want to do with the gold that I've earned, um, makes me a very happy person. Yeah. The other thing is obviously the the after battle improvements and the gold and etc. So there was a lot of you know, role playing type progression after the game, which can be Depending on how you look, it's probably it's a good or a bad thing. So it could be a con if that's not something that you're into.
0: Yeah, and I suppose the piece I like about it is it keeps you playing the game in between playing the games. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you something to think about, oh, what skills am I going to give this guy? What am I going to do mm-hmm. for this? What's the what's the next improvement or what's the next piece of equipment I want to buy? Or it's that kind of thing that keeps you invested. You're not just... Building lists or kind of theory hamming, hammering scenarios, it's it active thinking about the the ongoing game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that, but yeah. that's me.
1: Look, yeah, it's that would come down to a personal thing. So having played quite a few role playing games in my time, not so much recently, um, but that was you know that was a plus for me.
0: Yeah. Um on other kind of random um pluses and i will do a really quick shout out to some guys that will never hear this but i recently listened to a podcast called the old world lives they had a mordheim episode where they got um tumus Perrin and the the guy who wrote the rule set for mordheim and a bunch of stuff at games workshop in and they did the whole episode, basically a and A with him mm-hmm. on on everything. Um, so, firstly, give that a listen. It gives you some amazing insight into the game design and why they've t- chosen certain things and and all that kind of stuff. But the the rulebook is out of production, available online, but gorgeous. Um, in that, there's no. Diagrams—they're all hand-drawn illustrations of scenarios. Um, all of the tables are hand-drawn. The and it was one of the very first ones that they basically gave John Blanche—and anyone who knows the name knows what I'm talking about—Cart Blanche to just to do his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book is design first, both game design and visual. Um, design first and then they kind of fit it all together there's some pages in the middle where it's got photos of models and terrain and stuff and that's cool but the actual rule book from start to finish the the logo and stuff is a hand-drawn logo um so it was one of those ones where they really let the art and the the visuals lead it um equally if you're into kind of old models and and that kind of piece of nostalgia it was also that one of the first games where, because Warhammer Fantasy was a rank-and-flank game, um, all of your models had to rank up. So what that does in, in terms of model design is limit the model to basically like a cylinder. It has to fit on the base. It can't stick too far out because then it ruins the unit. Not an issue in Mordheim. So suddenly the sculptors are allowed to break out of that kind of, it has to sit in that 25mm cylinder, mm-hmm. And it can overhang the base for the first time. So you start to see these really cool sculpts that are super old and they've dated and it's cool. Um, But where you're allowed to break away from that mold and you start to see the sculptors experiment a little bit more, I think that's super cool. Um, But yeah, if you can get a copy of even the PDF of the the rule book, just flicking through it, it's it's amazing.
1: Mm. Any cons?
0: Disappointingly, um, look, I, I think they're few and far between. But it's out of print. It's out of production. It's not supported by GW. So yes, you can get it online, yeah, um, in PDF form. Yes, you can purchase secondhand. Um, but it's not something you can walk into a GW and go, "How do I play?" Mm-hmm. Um, there is a very active community, but equally that can be a good and a bad thing. In that there is, uh, it feels like sometimes you're the new kid to an old party mm-hmm. um, and there's already all this wealth of experience, knowledge, and the conversations you want to have as a new player have already been had by everybody else playing years ago and they've moved on. So, starting fresh with a fresh group of people in an old community is sometimes challenging. That being said, I found them super easy to interact with, but... I've also been playing for a while, so I don't know. And I mm-hmm. don't care about the, the competitive nature of it. So that's probably the first bit is just accessibility getting into the game if you don't want to try and teach yourself from the rule book. And there are a couple of how to play you know, videos and stuff in YouTube and, and that kind of stuff, but you know, it, it doesn't have the same level of I can walk into a G-Dub and go, how do I play 40K and have the manager show me there and yep. then. Um, And then sell me a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Um, Equally, it is a skirmish game. It is reasonably terrain heavy. Um, So that is the thing that will be the bigger investment than the warbands or anything else like that is it's one of those games where... And it was designed very much to interact with the, the scenery. So you can hide in a building or you can crouch behind things. So you want not just a, a piece of, like you don't want a building to be just a square of blocking terrain, but you actually want to be able to get in it and climb up levels and run along boardwalks and, um, you know, jump between bits and maybe fall down and, and leaping charge off the top of a building onto a model and all that kind of stuff. But you need scenery to support that. So um, the, the original box game came with a bunch of cardboard, um, scenery, and they basically had like plastic um, corners and windows and doors and details and stuff. So that's how they got away with it there. And then they basically encouraged everyone to scratch build whatever the hell they wanted. Um, but that's probably the the biggest hurdle to a really um, sort of full immersive experience in the game. You need the the scenery available to to support that and to let you do all the things that make the game cool. Like, you should be able to leap from one building to another, run along a catwalk and dive onto a bad guy. Um, Maybe necking yourself in the process. Mm. Like, if you don't have a board that supports that, the game loses something. Um, So, but beyond that, I mean, it is is a little bit old school G-Dub in that it is that bookkeeping, it is that tables, it is mm-hmm. that roll this, look up this
1: table, do a thing. That was something I had noted down too because there were a few times, I mean, this is obviously going to come in, in practice and, and the more games you play, the less likely you are to do this. But there were quite a few looking up rules in rule books and what number do I need to hit? Yeah. And and even that piece, it's the
0: old games workshop to hit to wound chart um, that I used to know um and it was the same for fantasy it was the same for all those but i feel like i've been spoiled with warcry for example where if my strength is higher than yours i'm hitting on a 3 if it's lower than yours i'm hitting on a 5 if it's the same i'm hitting on a 4 that's it that's i need to remember three things this has one of those tables where you look at your strength your weapon skill and their weapon skill and and then i maybe i hit you and then i look at what my strength is and what your toughness is and then we deduct you know my strength modifier by your armor divide by pi, by pie. And then if Saturn's in retrograde, um, it's one of those pieces that feels more convoluted until you're across it.
1: Yep. The other thing you did mention briefly is, is the age of the game. Um, that for, for someone like me, that is a bit of a, it's a reasonable con. Because I understand that the, the book is available on PDF. You know, and you I don't sh- like PDF. I don't like thing. it either. And I love having the book of the game that I'm playing or even games that I'm thinking about playing. love having the books and being able to flip through them at my heart's content. And from what I've seen, the resell value of some of these things is quite astronomical.
0: There is a limited number in circulation now. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you're picking out, it's a seller's market. um, And I managed to snag one for not an astronomical price a couple of years ago, but um, that was more good luck than good management. So yeah, for for that piece of, I want to have the rule book on a bookshelf Mm -hmm. and I want to be able to pick it up and flick through the hard copy. And even when I'm playing a game, flick between pages to do things. Um, a PDF doesn't give me that same experience. Um,
1: no.
0: It's available, and but it's not as nice, mean, as nice. I mean, did,
1: I did an eBay search, and I think I told you this last game that I found a near-complete copy of Mordheim for $700 on eBay. No. Near-complete. I don't know what was missing. I didn't look further into it after I saw the price, and admittedly, that's not, you know... It might not sell for that price, but then again, it might. So, um, But I did like the fact that I was just able to pick and mix some old Skaven models that I had had lying around, and all of a sudden I've got a warband. I do like your guys. Now, your guys are official Mordheim dwarves, are they?
0: No. um, They're a bunch of, and again, super old Games Workshop Citadel sculpts. Um, I think a lot of them, there is actually like a Heroes of Legend, just limited, like box that they brought out of random Dwarven heroes. A few of them are from that. Um, Both the Engineer and the Noble are a little bit more modern. The Slayers are just old Slayer models from Mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, There is actual Mordheim Dwarf, like a a Dwarf Treasure Hunters warband, but these are just cooler.
1: Because yeah. I, I do know that yeah, there are official Mordheim miniatures, and if you're got, if you've go, got your eye on those, that they will go for a small yeah. fortune as well. I'm so. currently having a quick look just for the rule book on eBay.
0: Um, our best option here is 100 bucks for the rule book, 130, 150 bucks for the rule book, yeah. mm-hmm. somewhere between there, just for the book. Um, Admittedly, I
1: you know, I enjoyed this, and if we were to play it more, 100 bucks is probably, I wouldn't, mm. I would think twice, but I probably wouldn't yeah. make that effort. Because, yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, like, like I said, we it's been something that's been on the radar for a long time, something that's been talked about in numerous sort of conversations here and there, and... Finally getting to, to play it, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Um and it's a lot of fun, but again, half hour. Yeah. Like and this is this is the piece that kind of you know, I remember is being able to rock up to a mate's place in of an Arvo, bang at a couple of games, get a couple of levels in and or spend a weekend playing with, you know, three or four other mates and just play everyone a mm-hmm. couple of times and It was that kind of stuff that you could bang out a bunch of games in a day um, and go from, you know, having a brand new warband to someone that had some experience and some skills and some equipment and all that kind of fun.
1: Um, You could rock up at a mate's place... While he's having an awful lot of trouble putting his kids down for the night, and then play a game, and then record a podcast all in one evening,
0: still, still managed yet yeah, to to get it done. So it's it's good like that. It is legitimately just the terrain piece that is logistically trickier, mm-hmm. a building, um, and, and having it, but also storage, and then the the
1: pulling it out and putting it away kind of garbage. Yep. Um, I was lucky I got you for that because in my scenery I have a lot of. Hills and rivers and stuff that's not really buildings. I have a few forty k buildings. I have bits and pieces of terrain, but not really fantasy terrain. So.
0: This, just getting a couple of games in. If this becomes a thing, and I think there's, it's plausible. Um, it does have me a little bit hot in the undies to get a table of dedicated more time terrain up and running. Here you got a printer. Box. Um but even like even some of the stuff that we use today, just the old school kind of mm. scratch built stuff. That's just perfect clean, cleaning up, fixing, finishing off, all that kind of stuff. Um it, it works really well for mm. that. So there's there's a couple of options. Um and you know, mix and match. Yep.
1: Well, shall we leave it there? Yeah. I mean normally after after our game we talk about what's on, but same stuff's on. Same stuff's on.
0: Um Oh, that's a lot. The So, the Throw the Dice Sprue uh, Challenge closed, finished. Mm-hmm. I didn't enter anything. I'm a bad customer. Um, the Hobby Homies drone Tournament is trying, tournament's still going. Games Workshop has a painting competition that ends on Christmas Eve. Um,
1: but Blood Bowl coming out on the 27th. And that's all that matters. And we are late next week. Yes. So pumped. Oh, yes. Alrighty, I
0: think yeah, that let's call it there. That's about enough. Alright, thanks for listening and
1: talk to you soon. Cheers all. Later.